My guest today is Vladimir Kochi. He is a professor from the University of Chemistry and Technology here in Prague, and he is a specialist in the life cycle assessment of various products and, uh, and processes that we have here and their real impact on the environment. So Vladimir, welcome. Thank you for coming. Let's talk sustainability and environmental impact. Tell me what you understand is the the footprint, the environmental impact footprint of the average Czech. <laughs> thank you for the question and thank you for the invitation here in Cabinet Coffee Shop. It's a nice place where I quite often come to have my cup of glass or cup of coffee and if I sit here and think about the coffee, about the water, I always think about the consumption since morning till evening of my own because I, when I start up I have to heat my, my tea of morning, I have to cook something, I have to come to my work, use maybe some transport means or something like this. So it was uh, really some uh, similar condition like here in coffee shop when I was thinking about the average consumption of a man in Czech Republic. And uh, we start with my, uh, one of my students at our university to collect the data about very different um, industrial areas like since energy generation, energy transport, transport of, uh, with the fuels or with the food production and waste management and construction of uh, buildings where do we live. So we start to do quite um, wide spectrum uh, data collection and finally try to evaluate it. And were you surprised with your findings? Well, the si surprise was that uh, some, uh, some uh, areas what we feel like very important and they are very often discussed in medias like waste management for example or transport, personal transport, are not so in in important. I don't want to say that they do not harm the nature, of course they do, but comparing to the energy consumption and our food consumption, it's really minority. So, so the, major, the major impact is from our consumption or use of energy. I, I presume that means in heating our houses, uh, cooling our refrigerators, um, boiling water for a, a cup of coffee or tea, uh, is, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, and then also our, our eating patterns, what we're eating, that, that's, that's making the majority of our footprint. <laughs> yes, exactly. Not, uh, not the real spot is not the consumption of electricity or the eating of the food, but it's uh, production. The production of energy or electricity, production of steam in some machines or in some, some uh, plants, this produces quite a high amount of uh, emissions or so environmental impacts are with them related. And uh, finally, if we count the personal consumption, we always found that, find that the production of energy and the food is the crucial aspect. So is it, so it's not some, ah, so it's not so much about that we're using too much energy, but particularly you're focusing on the, our, our sources of energy. So in other words, what we're burning or, or, or fusing or, or, or fissuring to, to make our energy. Yeah, it's going hand by hand because as much energy we consume, as much energy we have to produce with the emissions and the environmental impact. So am I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, about 50% of our energy here is generated through the uh, burning of coal is that yes, correct? Yes. 
And so that's the major thing that needs to change, in your opinion, or should we be looking to change the energy mix? Should we be trying to support um, alternative and nuclear uh, forms of energy generation? Or should we be looking at ways to um, mitigate our footprint by using less energy? Uh, yeah, all these aspects could be taken into play. Uh, we need to diminish our consumption, personal consumption of, uh, of energy. This can be uh, realized uh, or done by the new design of uh, more energy efficient uh, products or in changing our consumer habits, like habits for example. We are now, in, especially in Czech, uh, warm uh, feeling people. We like to have more than 23 degrees at our homes. It's not necessary. If we diminish this uh, level maybe 2 degrees, it's still enough. It's fine to have 20 degrees Celsius at home. And, but the energy savings are quite high. Even in such small changes could, could help a lot. So, um, in fact, a lot of what you're saying now makes immediate common sense to me. And I completely agree that one could easily, in the winter, certainly come from England, that's what we had to do, put a jumper on, uh, and you know nobody would put the heating up. Uh, so I can understand, I think that's very logical, uh, but what do we do? Do we work on awareness for people? How do we convince people? Is, is this possible at all? You know, can, you, can you preach down to people with your findings, or do we have to find a very clever way to induce a change? It's not easy to change the habits of the people and we have to, we should to communicate them it is uh, important but it's not my role my role is environmental scientist uh, i i discovered these um, facts I, I put the down the numbers down and it depends on politicians or some uh, influence makers that uh, they will spread this uh, information to people so okay. it's the next step let's let's talk some numbers so is it possible to put a number about how much worse, say, uh, coal uh, burning for production energy is than nuclear sources. I mean, can, is it easy to put that? Can you put an actual sort of figure to that? Yeah, it is possible to them. I, I don't have it here. I cannot just say, but it's changed. It's not very easy, but uh, for uh, having some uh, frame of, of general, it's possible. So your studies produce this information, this concrete data, a figure, as it were, yes. to allow other institutions, whether it be gov for governments for government policy or for companies who are interested in, in energy production, they have from your work some data which they can really make comparisons. Yes, yes. Right. And even some uh, our ministries, for example, use such uh, studies and they already apply it in their daily life. So. Yeah. Okay, so that's, so that's energy, which is perhaps the big, or our use of energy is, as the biggest part of, of our footprint. You mentioned also food. Should I be changing what I eat? Uh, should I be eating a lot less? Should I be eating more locally? Uh, should, I be, should I become a vegetarian or a vegan? What's, what's your data suggesting? Um, it, this, uh, this question is um, not, not only about the environment, but also about the nutrition health. So we don't uh, want just to change the habits and use only and eat only such a food which is with the less environmental impact. We also have to uh, take in our play also the nutrition abilities, the function of the of the food. But generally, uh, we consume too much of food of meat, 
that's, that's a fact, we do not need it. We eat generally too much, it's not necessary to eat as much as we do as, as a common man. And also the composition of the, of the food, it's not ideal. We see that uh, quite high percent of Czech uh, men and women also are a bit fat, more fat, it's, it's really good for their health. So it's not only the reason about the environment, but also because of their, how they're feeling, their body. So I think that uh, it's really better to eat less. The food with higher quality, we sometimes are focused on the as cheap as possible. But the cheap food is not always the best for our health. And also sometimes you are look, you look for cheaper rolls, for example, and yeah, these rolls are so cheap, so I, I buy more of them because they are cheap. Yes. But if you buy just one, maybe five crowns or maybe, maybe more expensive, but with better nutrition content, you will enjoy it more. Yes. My opinion is not just to diminish what we want to consume, but in increase our, how to say, pleasure of living with less consumption. What is missing when I'm choosing what to buy to eat? Uh, there's now, I think, obviously there's information on price, there's even information now on nutritional value, uh, where the product comes from, uh, so the, the country of origin as it were. So these are all important data for me as a consumer about helping me decide what I want to buy. But one thing is missing is, I think, something which perhaps you could provide, and that is a better measure of its environmental impact. So if using your life cycle assessment um, process or method, uh, are there any surprises out there? Did you find, did you discover that there are certain foods, food types, which actually have a lot bigger environmental impact than common sense would think? Uh, yeah, quite, quite often we find something really interesting. We are a bit surprised about for example, today we uh, evaluated one diploma work of one uh, my student. He compared different wastewater treatment technologies systems, and uh, two of them are much more innovative, which uh, which led to better quality the the cleaning of the water. But if you compare it with the life cycle assessment, you find that the general environmental impacts are almost the same. We make better the wastewater, but we consume higher amount of energy. We consume some other chemicals for it. These chemicals, this energy has to be somewhere, somehow produced, and also some other environmental impacts are released with the production. So what I have found is that um, uh, even if we are interesting in improving our environment and it's not automatic because a lot of countries still today are not interested in this but if we do and if we want to improve something we very often do three principal mistakes we improve it just locally and we push the environmental impacts or the waste for example some somewhere longer distance abroad this is the problem, that we do not solve it uh, totally, but only locally. The second problem is that we solve it only temporary, for some time. For example, landfilling is very typical uh, technology, which is working like this. We 
put the waste in the landfill and for a couple of years, maybe decades, it seems to be like black hole and not, it's away. But after some time, the leachates take part, the spreading into the ground, toxicants are working in the environment. It's, uh, it's uh, the second worst, bad approach. And the third one is that uh, we improve one environmental problem. Let's say we try to diminish the effect of greenhouse gases, but we produce some another environmental impact, like we produce more toxic substances, for example. So it's again shifting our problem. Well, it sounds, what we, a lot of what you're saying is the interconnectivity of things. As you said, as we're progressing as a society, we're realizing that we're living in a very much in a globalized society mm. where our waste can no longer just be pushed to another part of the world and we can forget about it. It is, it is all interlinked. Also, the interlinking of when we do use certain methodologies, such as um, methods such as uh, landfill, then that can lead to leaching. It gets into other parts of the whole system. So the interconnectivity suggests that we need to have a better, of a, more of a broader approach, more of an interconnected approach to find solutions. A lot of what is going on currently is this idea of a, of a circular economy, a, a, a much larger, bigger driver, understanding the real value of certain resources and products and, and, and you know, things and looking at better ways to get that back into the cycle to improve our, our waste management, etc. Now, a lot of focus in terms of materials has recently been on, on plastics, in particular uh, plastic packaging. What's your understanding from where you come from, your insight, from your profession? How do you see the, the challenges of packaging? If I should express it in a couple of sentences, it, is, it will be that I, I like plastics as a very, very complex material which can be used for a lot of specific uh, how to say specific tools or for specific areas but uh, it has been used for a longer time the main problem is with the single use plastic which i currently really hate let's say because uh, it's not necessary first it's not necessary to use single plastics single use plastics I know that in some, uh, some industrial areas, areas like food packaging, especially of uh, dairy products, it's sometimes uh, not easy to have uh, some other way of packaging. But uh, generally the single-use plastic are problematic and this we should to change somehow. Uh, now the concern is uh, very often focused on the waste management, on the recyclation and the use of uh, waste plastics. But to me it's not the way. It's just the one step which we should do maybe today, but generally we should be aware of single-use plastic because there so is no I, I, reason to... So you're saying that ultimately we need to move away from single-use uh, single, uh, plastics per se? I think so. I'm, I'm academic. I can think maybe more about the ideas, yes. but I think that we, we have lived thousands of years without a single-use plastic before and we can, we can do it in the future also. But as I gather, the uh, one solution to, to, to move away from these materials, if we were to replace it, let's say, with, with paper packaging, although that might make immediate common sense, 
I gather that the life cycle assessments suggest that this is not such an, a simple solution as uh, paper has its own costs, in particular yeah. the energy of production. It, is, uh, it was one of uh, one reason why I, I was starting thinking this way when I did a life cycle assessment study comparing uh, plastic carrying bag and paper carrying bag. Uh, we very often in these years understand that the paper bag is so-called environmental friendly. But why it is friendly? It's friendly because it can be uh, decomposed in the environment quite easily, quite fast. It's a uh, natural material. But the production of the paper is quite energy intensive. So we only shift the environmental impacts from the waste management to the production phase. So the plastic bags are maybe better in the, during the production, but it makes our problem during the end of life, during the wasting. So when I compare these uh, two packaging systems at once, I have found that uh, each of them has some specific environmental impacts in different phases of its life cycle. But if I sum it all together, it's generally the same. So for me, it's not the solution to do this or this. I'm always trying to find the third point of the triangle. And the third point is again the quite forgotten long time used bags for <laughs> Although I think they're coming back into vogue. I mean, I think many of us now do use that. And, and so I, I hold uh, hope that there will be, you know, significant change in that respect. But okay, so if you now take the, the whole body of your work, uh, using life cycle assessment studies. What are, can you summarize for me, what are the priority changes that we must make and how do we impart that change? How do we convince people to change? We have to, uh, firstly, for us should be normal to, how to say, to, to spread the data. Do not focus on one specific uh, topic but we have to sum it all together and don't uh, improve only the waste management or the energy production. But we have to uh, think in a more holistic approach that uh, as uh, I'm a consumer, what all products I consume during quite a year, for example, and uh, in uh, what I can do much uh, high improvement and not just to say waste management makes environmental impact, we have to improve the waste management. It's interesting that you use in your answer the first person, which means that you, I, I interpret that as the responsibility should be on the individual to make that change. Mm -hmm. uh, and then does that mean that you, it's important that we understand that we have to impart that change uh, rather than wait on, uh, you know, submissively for government or, or business to make that change for us. We have to make that choice, is that correct? Yes, yes, correct. We should start from the bottom level, from the bottom up. Uh, we want to inform the people that they have to change something in their life to enjoy more the life, but do not consume as much as, as needed. And uh, I, I am realistic that I, I do not expect that the, the companies or the politicians from the top level will change it because they like the status quo. Because their business models are fitting perfectly to this system. Mm. If we want to change something, we have to go since, since the basement, since the ground. And that's, that's where we are. Okay, so now then, so 
Once we identify the priorities, we know that we have to take, we have to be that change. We're yeah. responsible for that change. I realise that you're you're a chemist and an engineer, uh -huh. and and not a, you know you're not a psychologist or something. But do you have any idea or what is your hope for our ability to make that change? Are you optimistic? Are you confident that we can do that? Uh, we need easy available information about the products which we we want to buy. And uh, this is uh, what we need is the communication of the production producers with the consumers. We need to do develop some um, eco labeling system, some easy, understandable, and very very fast uh, communication system. That if you, for example, want to buy water, which is more environmental friendly, if you should buy Vittel here from France from glaciers water, or if you buy the water from Carlsbad, which is 90 kilometers away. So just easy information for the people uh, which are interested in. First, we need the people involved, and then if they are already involved, we have to give them the, the data and the information based on what they, they would like to share. So some, when I listen to you speak now, the first thing that comes to my mind is how in, the, in recent years, uh, how easy it is when you when you buy, for example, a refrigerator, or um, a, a a dryer or a washing machine. Immediately, there's that uh, color code about how environmentally friendly it is, how efficient it is, mm -hmm. and that's a, that's a huge influence, I think, on on consumer on, on consumers and and which model they they decide to to purchase. So, is it possible that is is it possible to imagine a future when when you go to buy your fruit and vegetables, for example? there will be not just prices but also such a sort of that sort of information a simple spectrum where we where you can look at very easily very quickly have an analysis of the impact the environmental impact at each particular um, piece of fruit or, or vegetable has is, is, yeah. is that a possibility yeah yeah it is possible and uh, already the european commission is working on such an approach it's not easy because the environmental impact is not uh, one uh, one number. We cannot measure the environment with a single sonda or some, some uh, fingerprint, but uh, we have very different environmental impacts. And the problem is that uh, some products has impact in, let's say, global warming, another in toxicity, another in acidification, in eutrophization. There is, let's say, 10 main environmental problems today we are facing. and. Uh, not easy to have one. To put it down to one number, one to number. One, one thing, yeah. And if it will be uh, five numbers on such product, it's yeah. too complicated for of the course. People. This is what I'm a bit afraid. But uh, I mean, are you are you working towards that? Are you trying to find then yourself in your work that solution that to, to simplify it for the for the public, for the humble yeah. consumer, that it can make an, an informed decision mm -hmm. easily and quickly? Uh, yeah, I, I, since for. From this point of view, the carbon footprint is for me quite acceptable, easy value. Not the perfect, there are some, some problems with this, but uh, especially in Czech condition, I think it's quite a good uh, indicator. It's not about only about the climate change, about the global warming, but it's about the dependency of the product on the fossil economy. 
And it's quite interesting. And with the fossil economy goes hand by hand the toxic impacts, the acidification, more other environmental impact than only the global warming. So for me, this could be quite a good indicator. Professor Kochi, you work at a university, you're surrounded every day by young, intelligent people. Are you filled with optimism for the future? Do you believe, do you see in this latest generation a difference? Are they more aware? Are they more concerned? Do you think that we have a, a bright future ahead of us? Uh, yeah, I'm optimistic. I see that the, the new generation are quite a different than we are because they, they have day-to-day -day ex experience with fast communication. They use the social networks. They are uh, very familiar with uh, very fast interchange with the information and they starting to be more involved in daily life than we were because maybe in older generation we were in situation that life is like this and you should do this but the young generation they, they do not have such a fixed thinking they are more flexible and uh, even if I do not fully agree with some activities today dealing with the climate change and something like this with the young people because not so easy but uh, generally I like their activity and their uh, they're willing to be to be part of the world. This is this is perfect. They are not skeptical because majority of people are skeptic. They just want to have what they need, and they are not interested in what's going ten meters away from them. This is what I, I see like nice and optimistic. And a lot of students are very. Uh, active in uh, selecting their topics for the research and they, they want really to uh, study something what, uh, what will be of importance for everybody. It's very nice. Professor Kochi, on that optimistic note, uh, we'll bring this discussion to a, a close. Thank you very much for, for coming and sharing your thoughts and insight. As a, a small token of our thanks, I have a, uh, a t-shirt for you. Uh, much similar as this one I'm wearing now, so <laughs> enjoy it. Good luck with all your work. Thank you very much.